0: Good morning. good morning our service continues on page two of your bulletin bless the lord who forgives all our sins hear the commandments of god to his people i am the lord your god who brought you out of bondage you shall have no other gods but me you shall not make for yourself any idol you shall not invoke with malice the name of the Lord your God. Amen, Lord, have mercy. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Amen, Lord, have mercy. Honor your father and your mother. Amen, Lord, have mercy. You shall not commit murder. Amen, Lord, have mercy. You shall not commit adultery. Amen, Lord, have mercy. You shall not steal. Amen, Lord, have mercy. You shall not be a false witness. Amen, Lord, mercy. You shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. Amen, Lord, mercy. Jesus said the first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is the only Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these.
1: that we may delight in your will and
0: walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Gracious Father, whose blessed Son, Jesus Christ, came down from heaven to be the true bread which gives life to the world, Evermore give us this bread that he may live in us and we in him who lives and reigns
2: with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from First Samuel. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinabab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ready and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. The word of the Lord. Be God. We will read Psalm twenty three responsively. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want.
3: He makes me lie down in green pastures, and
2: leads me beside still waters. He revives my soul and guides me along right pathways for his name's sake. Though I walk
3: through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me.
2: You spread a table before me in the presence of those who trouble me. You have anointed my head with oil, and my cup is running over.
3: Surely your goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the
2: house of the Lord forever. A reading from Ephesians. Once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, But instead, expose them, for it is shameful even to mention what such people do secretly. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Sleeper, awake, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The Word of the Lord.
1: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's work might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of salome, which means scent. Then he went and washed, and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he others were saying No. But it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Salome and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to him, He put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But the others said, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, What about you? What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that now he sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself." His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, Now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are the disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worshipped him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sins, and are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sinned, but now that you say we see, your sin
0: remains. The Gospel of the Lord. Lord So you will notice in our story today that the actual healing of the man born blind only occurs in the first few verses of the story. The remainder of the story deals with the reception of this miracle, both within the larger community and more specifically within the religious community represented here by the Pharisees and scribes. I want to say at the outset that we have to be very careful with this story, as we have to be careful with the entirety of John's gospel in the way that John speaks about the Jews It is the case that John's Gospel, especially the portion that we read on Good Friday, has been used throughout history as a means of justifying all kinds of violent anti-Semitism against Jewish people. It goes without saying that this is an abhorrent use of the Gospel and entirely out of step with both the heart of Christian faith and also with the message of this story in particular. I'll get to that shortly. But I also want to recognize that there's a wealth of commentary on this gospel passage that deals with blindness and disability generally. We cannot expect ancient authors to adhere to our modern norms in speaking about disability, but it must be noted that people with disabilities have interpreted this text in ways that illuminate their own experiences and troubles with the narrative we have received in this gospel. Certainly it can be said that Jesus begins to do some of the reparative work in his own cultural biases by denying outright the claim that this man is blind because of some fault of his own or of his parents. We might also be able to imagine the ways in which disability is a social reality, one that is emphasized by the ways we gather together, even the spaces we build, without regard for the physical and developmental difference in humanity. This social act of disabling becomes evident in our gospel reading when we realize that this man's blindness has been interpreted as a moral failure by the orthodoxy of the culture, an orthodoxy that leaves him on the margins of his own community's constructed boundaries. It should also be said that this theme of boundaries, exclusion, and expulsion lie beneath the surface of John's story. As a historical reality, as some scholars will say that this community John is writing to in his gospel has recently been expelled from their own synagogue. That is to say, the gospel of John is written to a particular Christian community, as are most of the books in the New Testament, written to a particular Christian community. And that Christian community to which John's gospel is written has experienced, some scholars will say, an expulsion from the synagogue as the new faith of Jews that follow Jesus, and including some Gentiles, starts to separate itself or become separated from the traditional Jewish faith. So we ought to read this story not only at face value, but also as John's reflection for a community that has been kicked out of the synagogue for its unorthodox commitment to Jesus and the inclusive practices of a community that welcomes Gentiles without condition. The most obvious evidence of this underlying theme comes near the end of the story. There's been a lot of fuss around the healing of the man born blind. Who did it? Is that person a sinner? Is this actually the man who was born blind? Where are his parents? What do the religious authorities have to say about it? Then we get to the judgment passed on the man who was formerly blind. You were born entirely in sin. And are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Even after he has been healed, we see that the community continues to judge him as a sinner, and this ultimately justifies his expulsion. As I said, the healing is only a small portion of this story. Because the healings and other miracles are signs in John's gospel, the majority of the story is dedicated to the larger issue, that is, the revelation indicated by the sign, And so what seems to be at issue in this story is the restrictive boundaries set up around the community to define who is in and who is out, and who can claim the authority to judge in such matters. Jesus' conversation with the man at the end of the story tells us that Jesus is here to undermine entirely these closed systems of belonging and the gatekeeping represented by the religious community in this story. Notice that at the very end of our reading, the assumption made at the beginning of the story has been turned on its head. At the beginning, they assume some sin has caused the man's blindness, but Jesus claims at the end of the story that if the religious leaders were blind, they would not have sin. It is their claim that they can see clearly that ultimately betrays their ongoing captivity to sin. How do we make sense of this? Once again, I think it has to do with the assumed authority to judge and determine right and wrong, good and evil, sin and righteousness with any kind of closed certainty. Throughout the story, the religious leadership is assured of its right position in these matters. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. As for this man, we have no idea where he comes from. They are the arbiters of right and wrong, the authority that will decide whether the man's healing is the work of God or the work of the devil. But let's look at the way in which Jesus heals this man. I talked about this with the kids in the day school during chapel this week, and I asked them to wonder why Jesus might have used spit and mud to heal this man. After listening to their entertaining responses... And reminding them that spitting on the ground and putting mud on your neighbor's eye is not a good idea out on the playground. I reminded them also that when God made the first human being, God used the dirt. John's gospel is full of creation themes, and this is no exception. There is conversation about the Sabbath, and Jesus uses mud to undo this man's lifelong blindness. The man also refers to since the beginning of the world, no one has heard of a man born blind being healed of his blindness. So I think this story, and indeed part of the meaning of this sign, is to remind us of God's ongoing work of creation. Sabbath was the final day of creation in the, in the Genesis story, but resting from the work of creation to delight in what has been accomplished does not mean the work has been completed. I want to be cautious here also because I don't want to suggest that the man was born blind and was therefore born incomplete. I like to think that when Jesus said he was born blind so that God's work might be revealed in him, when he says this, he isn't necessarily referring to this moment of healing, but that his entire life, even in his blindness, has been the canvas upon which the work of God has been unfolding. Remember, Jesus has already said that his blindness is not a punishment for some defect, Rather, this encounter with Jesus reveals that the creative work of God continues in his life, even as it began his life. The ongoing creativity of God in our lives poses a massive problem for anyone who wants to claim a universal and final perspective on right and wrong, good and evil, sin and righteousness. This penultimate sign in John's gospel reveals the dynamic relationship between God and God's creation And it undermines any attempt we make to close the book on any of the mysteries we encounter in creation. We are, from beginning to end, a work in progress, being changed, as St. Paul says, from one degree of glory to another. Notice he says, not from worse to better, from one degree of glory to another. This dynamic view of creation breaks open all of our perceived certainties and formulas, requires us to place ourselves entirely into the hands of the Creator, and opens us to a life of grace and mercy where the only constant is the love of God for us. If we are honest enough to enter under the judgment of this gospel, we find ourselves in the position of the religious leaders. It calls us to repent of the ways in which we have turned this gospel of grace into criteria for gatekeeping and expulsion. It calls us to repent of the ways in which we have made an idol of certainty instead of trusting in the ongoing creativity of God and the gift of transformation in our bodies, minds, and souls. It calls us to repent of the ways we have defined our community by those we keep out and compels us to experience the fullness of our membership in God's vast and diverse creation. And... If you are honest enough to accept the grace of this gospel, you are met by Jesus in the moments this world has cast you out or questioned your worth. You can look back on the ways you have transformed. You can look back on the person you were, look at the person you have become, and look forward to the person you are becoming with generosity and gratitude, with kindness and gentleness knowing that the work of God has been revealed in every stage as God has continued creating in you. It's almost easier to accept the judgment than it is to accept the mercy and grace of the gospel, because we have absorbed so much the critical eye of the world, making its evaluations and amplifying the ways we fall short of its standards and orthodoxies. But Jesus assures you of your belonging, affirms your infinite worth, and continues the work of creation in your life, transforming you from one degree of glory to another. Amen.
1: Let us stand and reaffirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed.
3: We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the
1: world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the church and for the world.
2: God of all mercy, we pray for the church throughout the world and especially for Justin, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Michael, our presiding bishop, Brian, our bishop, Johnny, our rector, Chris and Gordon, our deacons, In our Diocese, for St. Clair La Follette. In our Companion Diocese of South Dakota, for St. Catherine, Martin, Gethsemane, Wombly, Christ, Red Shirt Table. We pray for all bishops, priests, and deacons, that our faithfulness might not be limited to acts of piety, but be manifest in lives of peace, charity, and compassion for the welfare of the poor, the stranger, the outcast, and the hurting. Lord of all, we pray especially for the peoples of Ukraine and Russia and for all those under threat of war. Bring mercy and peace where violence and hostility are imminent, and lead us beyond hatred and nationalism toward a responsibility for one another as global neighbors. We pray also for all who hold public office and positions of authority. Remembering especially Joseph, our President, the Congress of the United States, our courts of justice, and all who carry the burden and temptations of leadership. Grant them a spirit of humility, compassion, and peace, that they might repent of the violence and greed that consumes us and bring us all more closely to the abundance of your peaceable kingdom. Most holy Creator, all that you have made speaks of your goodness, and you have made us caretakers of that goodness. Give us the eyes to see with broken and contrite hearts, the ways in which we have squandered your gift. Set us free from the habits of waste and misuse we have cultivated over generations, and fill us with the spirit of gentleness, that everything we touch might know your embrace. You are the God who has come among us. We pray for our city of Kingsport, remembering especially Pat and Richard, our mayors, our city and county school systems, our teachers, social workers, and all who serve the poor and homeless in our city. Reveal Yourself among us and our neighbors, and open our doors to welcome them as Christ. Loving God, we hold before You those whom we love and are in need of Your care, especially Sister, Becky, Carolyn, Stephanie and family, Bill, Ginger, Louisa, Catherine, Randy, Mariana, Martha, Mike, Alice and DeWitt, Doreen, Beth, Myra, Rick, Jay, John, Kim, Deanna, Jackson, Jonathan, Patricia, Jonathan, Sarah Beth, Jason, Dot, Gary, Phyllis, Kim, Diane, Larry, Alice, Matt, Richard, Anne and Larry, Donna. Gather them under the shadow of your wing and grant them wholeness and peace. God of rest and giver of life, we remember before you those who have died, especially Kathy Clifton. Grant them a place of rest in your household until the last day when they are raised with us to abundant life.
0: O Lord, our God, accept the fervent prayers of your people and the multitude of your mercies. Look with compassion upon us and all who turn to you for help. For you are gracious, O lover of souls, and to you we give glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Friends, the peace of the Lord be with you always. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God almighty, the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and abide with you always. Let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.